Hi guys, Will Bell here coming at you with another episode of the My Personal Economy Podcast, the place where we try and get you up to speed on what's really happening in the economy so you can take action on your own personal economy. Today is the property market in Melbourne and Sydney in Boomtown again. I don't think you should count all your pennies just yet as that nasty R word recession looms. And Royal Commission what? I'm going to give you my point of view on why nothing has happened in the aftermath and why nothing will happen in the future except the status quo. Let's get into it. Welcome to the My Personal Economy Podcast, the place where we get you up to speed with what's going on so you can make sound decisions when it comes to your financial life. Now, let's get started on today's topic. Since GOMO got voted in and the Reserve Bank dropped interest rates, the property market has been rebounding with a vengeance. I have customers chomping at the bit to get into the property market because FOMO. Yes, that's right, good old FOMO. No, it's not ScoMo's long lost love child, it's fear of missing out. And my fear is that property buyers have short term expectations, which will not turn out to be reality. Let me explain. You should know by now that I think the US economy will enter recession in the short term. I feel like we're in a similar place to where we were at the start of 2001, which was the beginning of the dot-com bubble crash. Here's my theory. Since the property market peaked in 2017, the speculators have jumped from the property market to the share market in chase of greater returns. At the same time, people with term deposits and cash have also turned to the share market chasing higher returns because we all know they aren't getting much in cash. The difference between speculators investing in property and speculators investing in shares is that property can only go down so much because the actual asset is something physical and tangible, whereas shares can be worth nothing overnight. I always use the case of Bear Stearns. One of the world's biggest banks was here one day, AAA rated and gone tomorrow. And it's gone! Interestingly enough, that clip was taken from the South Park episode when Stan loses all his money at the bank because of the GFC. If you look at the dot-com crisis, the share market was falling from early 2001. But then an event happened which changed everything. Terrorists attacked the World Trade Center. What happened in the markets was people thought, what is this World Wide Web stuff I've invested all my savings in? I'm pulling out all my money ASAP. And that's what happens. Speculators realize they're taking one big gamble and the rug gets swept out from underneath the share market. I have a feeling we're in similar times with all the investing in AI, crypto, driverless cars, flying driverless cars, and space exploration. It's easy to see how it can all happen again. In recent years, we've had record amounts of IPOs from companies that have not made a dollar of profit yet. That is, when a company launches itself on the share market for the public to buy shares, and the company hasn't turned a dollar of profit. If you ask yourself a question when buying an investment of what is this company worth if it's making zero dollars profit? And if your answer is anything above zero, then you're speculating on the value. What does this have to do with property prices, I hear you ask? Nothing except that it gives us a reference in time to look back. And if you look back at those times in both America and Australia, you will find property value drops were minimal. In fact, if you do some browsing around on Google, you'll find that for the Australian market, there were no drops throughout this time. It just evened out. 
Based on this information, I don't think it's a bad time to buy at all. I think it's a great time, but I don't think you should expect Boomtown in the Australian property market immediately, despite some pundits talking it up. I think short term, the property market is more likely not to do too much, especially if all this negative global news turns out into a US recession. Long term, I'm confident we'll have a boom like never before. But first, banks and government need to figure out how to get money in the hands of the people. So with all this talk of trade wars, negative interest rates and Hong Kong's impending issues all over the news, it appears the Royal Commission is not the flavour of the month anymore. And the boys and girls at the top end of the town want it to disappear because how else are we going to get money in people's hands with APRA and all the other regulators watching everything that banks are doing like eagles? If you've listened to previous episodes of the podcast, you'll get that the job of government and its regulators, APRA, ASIC and the ACCC is to keep a stable banking system. That's because during the time of the recession we had to have in the 90s, we nearly had a banking crisis of our own. Out of that came the four pillars policy that was engineered by then treasurer Paul Keating. The sole objective of that policy was to keep a stable banking system and rightly so because if the banking system imploded that would have left Australia where it was and we would not have the luxuries we do today. The problem is that system is outdated and we have no actual leaders who will change these policies so for now the sole objective is to keep the banking sector stable. It is a problem because keeping a stable banking sector is totally at odds with what our government is meant to do, which is govern for the people. I was really disappointed in the way the media went after the banks for their behaviour during the Royal Commission. Not because they didn't deserve it, but because this all just feels like a little bit of history repeating. Back in 2009, we had a raft of regulatory changes to our mortgage industry called the NCCP Act, and this was known as the Responsible Lending Act. It was in response to the out-of-control pre-GFC lending that saw things like no-doc loans and 105% lending. I actually remember thinking at the time that this is just a way for banks to absolve themselves of any responsibility and put it all on the mortgage broker. And I started off as a mortgage broker right when this act was implemented and it took two or three years to implement. That's how broad-ranging it was. Clearly, if such broad-ranging laws were brought in, then you would expect not to have the same problems within a decade. In fact, it was five or six years later when they called the Royal Commission. So this begs the question, if our government are creating regulations for problems that are not solving the problems of society, then who do these regulations serve? Back when I started in 2011, mortgage brokers wrote approximately 30% of all residential home loans. But today, in 2019, it's much closer to 60%. This statistic shows that the mortgage broking industry is providing a better service than the banks. And really up until the last few years, the banks have been happy with mortgage brokers. The reason for that was second tier banks were generally not as good with their processing, but all that's changed and now the big four are losing market share. Now if the big four, which used to have above 80% of the market share, are losing business, then this could be seen as the banking system potentially losing its stability, especially if there's economic instability. By that logic, if our governing bodies think it's their job to keep a stable banking system, then the recommendations of the Royal Commission would logically favour the big banks. And if you talk to anyone in the finance industry with half a brain, they'll tell you this is exactly what has happened. And if you look at the NCCP Act, which no one in the media brings up, the big banks continue to make record profits through the exact same behaviour as what got us to the GFC. 
I'll spare you my rant about the rich robbing the poor for this week. So anyway, the Royal Commission have recommended that the customer pays all of the commission a mortgage broker would normally receive from the lender. This would quickly result in borrowers going directly to banks to save on paying the broker's commission, therefore handing back the big four their market share and a stable banking system our government so desperately crave. What the Royal Commission didn't recommend is that banks have to let go of their investment arms. There were many examples of shocking conduct, but the overarching point here is that the financial planners that were supposed to be working in the client's best interests were actually working in the bank's best interests, which is making the most amount of money possible. And this is what annoys me about the media attention. A bank is a business and it's not a person with morals. Their sole goal is to make as much profit for their shareholders. We, as the general public, should not be expecting businesses to act in morally correct ways. That would be like expecting my dog to be able to talk with me at the dinner table. It's government's responsibility to govern in the best interests of the people. And this is the problem. Keeping a stable banking industry actually just looks after the top end of town. The Royal Commission could have recommended the banks not be allowed to sell their own insurance products and wealth products, or they could have been told they couldn't have financial planners work for them, or the Royal Commission could have recommended the banks to sell their own investment arms, which a lot of them have done anyway. Instead, the Royal Commission did nothing but leave the door open for this mess to happen again. So, this brings us to a predicament. APRA have spent three or four years tightening the clamps on lending. The problem is the lending process provides a way for economies to create money and provide liquidity to the economy in tough times. And now they can't rely on an irresponsible lending environment to provide it. This question had me pondering for months. How are they going to create money and get it into people's hands to spend and recover the economy? I should have known to just wait because the answer has already been cooked up and that's negative interest rates. If you listened to the last episode of the podcast, you would know that I think the US have a recession coming and the world follows the US economy because we trade in their dollars. What a lot of people don't get is that the answer of negative interest rates will just push property and shares higher. We're already seeing the seeds of the next boom being sown. I hope you're getting ready for it. I'm Will Bell, and this has been the My Personal Economy Podcast. Thanks for listening to the My Personal Economy Podcast. I hope you've got some nuggets of wisdom you can use from today's episode. My goal with this podcast is to help people understand their finance a little bit better. So if you have any questions I can address, please get in contact. You can find me by searching Will Bell Mortgage Broker on Google or Facebook. Thanks for stopping by.